You're listening to Nutrition Matters Podcast with Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Nutrition Matters Podcast explores how to approach food and your body in a whole new way. I interview people who share stories and expertise in rejecting diet culture, making peace with food, and discovering a more positive, realistic, and sustainable approach to health and well-being. I'm Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist and owner of Positive Nutrition, an in-person nutrition therapy practice in Salt Lake City, Utah. I offer free resources, including this podcast, a blog, and posts on social media. If you're local to Salt Lake City, check out our services and availability for appointments and keep your eyes out for in-person groups on mindfulness, intuitive eating, body image resilience, and more. Go to positive-nutrition.com and hit subscribe if you'd like to keep in touch. I also offer online courses covering topics like the science of nutrition, mindfulness, and healing your relationship with food. Check those out at positive-nutrition.com slash academy. If you like what you hear on the podcast, you can make a difference by leaving a review, sharing with friends and family, or making a donation. Thank you so much for your support. You can also find me on Instagram or Facebook if you'd like to have a little more food for thought at Paige Smathers RD. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Nutrition Matters Podcast. My name is Paige, and I'm your host. And as always, I'm just thrilled you're here. So excited to share this conversation with you. A little quick warning. I was editing this, and I noticed that I got really excited at one point, and I said, like, like a million times. (laughs) Do you ever do that? So I tried to kind of edit it out, but it didn't totally work. So Please forgive the passion and excitement and all the likes, and I will continue to work on expressing myself in a in a little bit of a a better way. (laughs) Uh, So thanks for your patience there. Uh, As always, I just want to make sure all of you know about this new Nutrition Matters Premium, which is a new podcast feed for subscribers and supporters of the podcast. So if you want to support the podcast at $5 a month or more, you get access to this exclusive content through Nutrition Matters Premium. And it's been a lot of fun to put this stuff out. I I do a monthly Q&A episode. Um, So in the past, I've done that here on this feed in Nutrition Matters, uh, but I will only be doing that in the supporters feed from now on. So if you have questions that you'd like me to answer um, and you would be willing to support the podcast, hop in there and then make sure to submit your question. Uh, One of the supporters of the podcast sent me a little note about about it. And I just wanted to read it to you to let you know about her experience with it. She says, hi, Paige, I'm loving Nutrition Matters Premium. I've already listened to the first episode a few times. Great work. Um, Thank you for putting this out there. So uh, if you're interested, you just hop in the show notes of any of the recent episodes from 2020, and you can support the podcast. You don't have to sign into anything. You don't have to download any new apps. You just do a couple clicks. It all connects with Google or Apple Pay. And then the new podcast feed will be in your podcast uh, app. And as always, if you are willing to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, that is super helpful. Helps more people find out about the podcast and helps me to continue to do this work and put it out there. So just as a quick review, the Nutrition Matters Premium is three episodes a month of premium content available to supporters of the podcast. This podcast feed will remain free and it will be the place where I publish every sing- every other week. Uh, episodes of interviews that I do with with my guests where we discuss topics uh, relevant to positive nutrition. So that will remain free, but if anyone is willing or able to uh, support, that is very much appreciated. So this podcast, I am pumped to share with you. It's one of my favorite topics. I love talking about gentle nutrition, talking about this concept of how do we apply things that we know from nutrition science into a healthy, positive, sustainable approach to food. So my guest is Rachel Goodman, who I actually cross-promoted and cross-published a podcast episode that I did with her on her podcast a couple months ago. And then this podcast episode is is all about 
um, her and, and her approach. And so I'm interviewing her here. So we discuss the role of intention, flexibility, and self-compassion in our ability to implement gentle nutrition. And it was a really great conversation. I loved at the end, we actually do a little lightning round things that diets don't own in terms of like, like an example would be um, vegetables, you know, kind of talking about how we start to kind of associate certain foods, certain things with diets. And as we break free from the diet mentality, it's really important to look at, you know, how we're approaching things that we used to do when we were dieting. How do we look at them with some more flexibility and some renewed intentions. So that's a quick kind of teaser for the podcast episode. Thank you as always for being here. I tell everyone all the time I have the best job ever. It's so fun to be able to um, kind of give back to my community, to our hopefully world at large, people who are looking to kind of heal their relationship with food. I love to be able to offer this podcast for free. I love to work individually with my clients. I love to put things out digitally through online courses, through the Positive Nutrition Academy. Um, and I appreciate any and all of your support, whether that's financial or um, or even just a, a rating or a review or a kind note or a follow. Um, all of that is so appreciated. I am proud of our little neck of the woods, corner of the internet, we have built a really fun community around these concepts. And I appreciate all of you. All right, with that, let's talk with Rachel Goodman all about gentle nutrition. Hi, Rachel, welcome to Nutrition Matters podcast. And thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Paige. Oh my gosh, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. So introduce yourself for a second, Rachel. Talk about who you are, um, where you are, what you do, what you like, what you brought you into this work, and then we'll get going with our topic. Sure. Well, my name is Rachel Goodman. I am a registered dietitian nutritionist, and I pract practice from an intuitive eating health at every size approach. Um, what essentially, I feel like a lot of people are like, well, what what does that mean? Um, so essentially what I do is I help women have a healthy relationship with food, you know, remove the guilt and stress and anxiety from health and eating and really align themselves with their body's wisdom together with nutrition information in a way that empowers them and makes them feel good and not stress them out. Cause eating should be simple. It shouldn't be this like huge complicated stress in your life, um, you know, in order for them to feel good in their bodies. And, I mean, where am I from? So I'm from Brooklyn, New York, um, and I have two kids, a third on the way. Um, that's just a little bit about me. My own history, um, how I got to doing this work is that I think I think this is very – I hear this story a lot. Like I feel like it's not just my own personal one, but so many other dietitians um, become – dietitians because they struggled with food and they struggled with their bodies and they were trying to figure it out and then be able to help others. So that's how I got on the path of becoming a dietitian initially. Um, it was very much about figuring out, like, I was so confused. Like, how do I, what is healthy eating? You know, how do I care for my body? A lot of it was also, um, weight focused, you know, having a negative body image and thinking that, um, if I figure out how to eat perfectly, um, I'll also lose the weight and I'll look a certain way and I'll just be happy and I'll be able to help others do the same because that's what I thought would make other people happy as well. Um, and so that's what got me to learn to be a dietitian. And once I became a dietitian, um, I still continued in this mindset. I did feel like I had the nutrition part figured out, but there was still a lot of struggles that I had that I didn't understand why I was still struggling if I had the nutrition information. I mean, here. I am. I'm a nutrition student. Um, and then after that, you know, I got um, into the internship, got my credentials. I was a registered dietitian. And yet there were still eating habits that I viewed as problematic because as a dietitian, I should be able to eat perfectly. And yet I was binge eating. Um, and people would see me and they'd hear like, oh, you're a dietitian. You probably eat so healthy or get all these comments. And I remember having just so much. Uh, um, shame that I wasn't sharing with anyone and just for myself, because I thought if I understood nutrition, especially now after I am 
a dietitian and I understand everything, then how can I eat cake? Rachel, that is such a good thing for people listening to know, I think, is just kind of like taking the like the idea away that someone in your life who might be like a dietitian or a personal trainer or a doctor or a therapist or whatever someone who you might look at as like wow they've got like they've got their feelings figured out or they've got food figured out or they've got medical the medical world figured out it's i think it's really awesome what you're sharing of this idea of just because you have credentials doesn't necessarily mean you a have it figured out in your own life or b that you're even necessarily like on the right track to promote your own health and well-being. Like we can get off track and maybe even more so easily easier when you are someone who has like spent a lot of time learning about like potentially relatively triggering things like nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's so true because, and that's the point also to understand is that intellectually understanding something doesn't necessarily translate into behavior. We are so many, we are so much more deep. We have so many more layers that just understanding something doesn't necessarily mean that you can do it. And especially so, so I think there's definitely a pressure for dietitians or um, personal trainers, anyone in the health field to, because they have the credentials and they have the education. So the expectation for them to present a certain way of eating or to be able to do everything they're doing. And so when you're not able to figure it out, even though you intellectually understand it, there's just so much more shame and guilt and frustration in not not being able to do it all the time, right? So that's kind of – so I was at this place where I learned to be a dietitian. I definitely did learn what balanced eating is. You know, I don't – for the – most part, because dietitians understand the human body and the limitations of nutrition, and all of that, it's a very um, balanced approach. I always had a balanced approach to food once I became a dietitian with like all foods fit and all of that. But there were still definitely a lot of food rules and a lot of things about weight that, you know, I assume that if you're thin, then you're healthy. If you're fat, you're unhealthy. And what a lot of the world assumes. Um, and And so there was a very big missing link, right, Um, into feeling frustrating and not understanding why can I just have self-control. And while I was eating balanced, I was also having days where I would have way too many cookies and feel really my body physically would not feel good and not understanding why I couldn't just apply self-control and not have it. I thought it was more about me having to be strong enough. Um, And so then... About, I would say like a year and a half after I got my credentials and was practicing as a dietitian, I learned about intuitive eating from a friend who told me about the book. She's like, you have to read this book. And I got the book. I read it. I will say it took me a while to get through it because I think some people are like, oh my gosh, I just inhaled the whole thing at once. Yeah, for (laughs) me, it was like I read two chapters and then it just wasn't. I don't know what it was. I was like, okay, I'm like, don't have the motivation to get through the rest of it. Yeah. Um, So just hard to sit with. Yeah, everyone's different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, But then I did get through really the whole thing, and so many aha moments clicked for me, um, especially when it came to body's wisdom. And because I did have a lot of that intuitive eating aspects already, Um, mainly I was very much in tune with hunger and fullness. I did realize that even thinking of restriction makes me want to eat. Um, you know, the word, like I always call myself a non-diet dietitian from the start because the second I thought of a diet and restriction, I wanted to eat. But what intuitive eating gave me and what I understood is really the deeper layers of what real restriction is. Um, and how also the body image aspect of it is so connected. You really need to address both. If someone's struggling with their body image They definitely need to address that in order to truly be at peace with food and not have restrictions. And so that's the piece that intuitive eating gave me that kind of put it all together. And then I was able to truly help other women in this situation. It definitely helped heal my relationship with food and my body, which I think as a practitioner has helped me with others as well, because I understand a lot of where they're, they're coming from. Um, So yeah, so that I kind of went on my own journey, figured 
figured it out and then was able to understand my clients better and helping them understand why they intellectually get it, but then aren't able to apply the information. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I I love what you said about like a lot of what you ended up reading and intuitive eating you had maybe figured out on like a like I don't know if more surfacey level is fair to say, but but the the book seemed to kind of provide more depth and more context and more um, maybe more validation to kind of what you were intuitively understanding through experience. But then also, I wonder if it kind of gave you some permission, given the fact that it's written by two dietitians and there's lots of science to back it up, like. I, I I remember feeling that way too. I'll just speak from personal experience. Like I had come to a lot of these concepts sort of through experience and through even learning about nutrition helped me chill out about nutrition. Um, and then when I read the book, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, this validates so much of what I feel like I already came to. And again, like I definitely learned things from reading it too. I'm not trying to say like, oh yeah, I had that all figured out. But, um, but I wonder if there was, yeah, like more depth is, would, would that be a fair way to kind of characterize it for you? It was just more depth of, of understanding this from a scientific and dietitian perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because so many, like you said, so many parts of intuitive eating were things that I kind of recognized on my own, even way back. I remember when I was 19, um, we do this year abroad in Israel with uh, Judaic studies when you're 18 in my community. And it's always the year kind of like how people have the freshman 15 where you already predicting you're going to put on weight because of the change of scenery and change of place and all of that. And that's exactly what happened to me in Israel where and I was definitely not intuitive at all there. Like we were up at one eating like three chocolate sandwiches, like toasted (laughs) in Israel. And like overriding cues and all of that. Um, Not that you should ever feel bad about that either, but my body just wasn't feeling good. And it was definitely connected to um, not being in tune with my body. But what I, the point is when I got back, um, I realized I had this aha moment that the second I think of the word diet, I want to eat all the things. Yeah. Like all the things that diets say you can't eat. Like and exactly. it's all like it's all it takes is a thought, right? It's like, ooh, maybe I right. should cut that out, and then you want it. <laughs> exactly, and and I came to that conclusion on my own when I was nineteen, and that was when I started to get more in touch with, you know, what I'm gonna eat when I'm hungry, and I'm gonna stop when I'm full. Um, and I started to get in touch with hunger fullness, but the reason why I continue to struggle struggle for years after is because I only had parts of the intuitive eating um, principles and connecting to my body because at the source of it, my goal was still the f- a form of a diet where it's like, I'm only going to eat when I'm hungry and stop when I'm full so that I can lose weight. Like that was the way I was thinking about it. So it didn't last, even though it was concepts of intuitive eating. And when I read the intuitive eating book, it put it all together in, a, in like this aha moment, plus the science for sure. Like you said, um, I think especially because when when you study to be a dietitian, there is so much science and that helps you understand the human body and the psychology. And so the science in the book to understand how your body works. And this is also something that I share a lot with clients because I think understanding the mechanisms of your body help piece it together and understanding why something does or doesn't work instead of assuming it's just willpower or it's just, you know, not trying hard enough. So definitely that was helpful. And I will say, um, even the book itself wasn't enough. Like I read the book, but there was definitely more learning and, you know, supervision or training or whatever it is for me to practice as a dietitian that I have to do to really apply it in a, in a practical way. Cause I think someone could read the intuitive eating book, but even there, there's just so much nuance that is not that you can't possibly include in the book because we're all individuals um so that's just also something to keep in mind yeah I'm a big fan of that too and I I I think that the purpose of you know a podcast or a book or a blog post or social media however people like you and me are trying to communicate these messages I see those as sort of invitations to explore things like yourself and to 
you know, practice some awareness and some curiosity around concepts that maybe people have have brought to your attention but by no means are those resources going to be sufficient in and of themselves like honestly like the gold standard would be working with someone individually but if that's not possible or if that's not accessible to you like just recognizing it's going to take some time to really grasp these things and figure out how they fit into your own life your own situation because even though intuitive eating is a non-diet approach, it, there is the tendency to kind of turn it into a new set of rules that define, you know, your worthiness or your goodness as a human being or, you know, there are so many traps that we can fall into with intuitive eating that are actually reminiscent of diets. So I'm interested to know what are some of the most common traps you see or sticky spots uh, your clients or even yourself have seen kind of with trying to work on a more intuitive eating approach to food? So I think the biggest one is believing that if you intellectually understand it, then you should be able to do it and almost setting a deadline for themselves. Like, oh, I read the book. I'm work and now I'm working with a professional and I have all this information. So now I should be able to eat intuitively, which to them a lot of times means you know, just eating when I'm hungry and stopping when I'm full. I think those are the two biggest ones that people get, like, put their grab onto. Like, only when you're hungry and stop when you're full, and that's really giving your body what it needs, and that's intuitive, when that's only two of the ten principles of intuitive eating. So definitely that aspect of intellectual understanding doesn't necessarily translate into behaviors when you have so much damage, especially when you have so much damage to undo, like if your automatic way of thinking has been restriction, has been diets, has been rooted in a negative body image, and that's been years for many people, that's been years, whether it's 10, 20, 30 years, is it really realistic to now have this new information and be like, well, I have this new information, so within three weeks of learning it, I should be able to just transform and be able to be an intuitive eater. That, you know, is that really fear? Because That's you diety thinking still have, too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I'm on this new diet, and um, in X amount of weeks, I will have X amount of results, and we're so used to that way of thinking when you first have a lot of awareness and mindfulness to build up to understand what got you to this place to undo it. and to then know how to replace it with um, behaviors that benefit you. And it's also a lot about the intentions. You know, a lot of times people will be doing things, um, behaviors that could benefit them if the intention was about self-care versus self-hate. So I think that's also a big one where um, it's not necessarily all their behaviors are negative. It's just the intention behind it is fueling um, unhealthy eating behavior instead of benefiting them. Does that make sense? Yeah. So just to kind of summarize that wonderful comment you just made and such a good point, this this idea of if you are approaching intuitive eating from the place of, okay, great, this is my new, this is the answer. This is my new way to manipulate my body. Um, first of all, so much compassion your way because that's normal. Yeah. That's the normal way that we've been taught to think about any any plan or idea or philosophy around food, it's just almost been a given that every single one of those is all about that. So it is an adjustment to kind of try to kind of disentangle your health and well-being from weight loss or manipulation. So I get it. But at the same time, we've got to dig deep and practice letting go of weight loss being the motivator for your eating, for your approach to food, because, and here's where I come down on this, and other people come down on this in different places, but my strong, strong belief is that weight loss is a terrible motivator for good quality nutrition. We, in other words, we eat worse when we're trying to lose weight. (laughs) Our nutrition is overall worse. And so, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, because what I, I'll tell you what I 
I, what I find both from personal experience and from other people's experience is that when the focus is weight loss, first of all, um, the focus is eating less because people have this, you know, oversimplified idea of calories in, calories out. And they're like, well, if I just eat less, then I'll lose weight. And for not for everybody, but for some people, um, when they're eating less, they're not eating enough for their body. So it could go either way. It could either be uh, towards malnourishment where you're just not getting enough. And I think also some of it depends on personality and genetics. Um, or it could go the other way where you're binge eating it's in response to restriction. Either one is not healthy, but it all stems from this goal of shrinking your body. Yeah. And so when, when you were making the great point about um, – kind of going from intellectually understanding this stuff to actually having like the knowledge sort of like in your heart or soul or like in your core wise being I people often will share oh I get it I understand it but I just don't know how to do it um I'm really interested to hear what what would you suggest to someone who's feeling that way like hey I've listened to every podcast I get this but I just can't I just can't let go of restriction or I just can't um, seem to make this work in my in my behaviors or in my life. That's a great question. I would say, first of all, um, it's a setting realistic expectation. So I always say, look at how many years you were your automatic way of thinking um, is the one you currently have. And for many people, it's all all the way down to childhood. If you're 40 years old or 30 years old, and since you were 12, you've had this way of thinking, recognize that, relieve yourself of the pressure. I think a lot of people put themselves into this place of pressure that I have to figure this out as soon as possible. And we know that we don't work well under pressure. That just creates stress that blocks our rational way of thinking. And then we get into this emotional spiral and frustration. And so first of all, set realistic expectations, reduce, like remove that pressure to figure it out. Because, you know, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but that will help you figure it out. Okay. I love that. I just want to pause really quick and highlight. Sure. Like it's okay to be in that place. That's, that's developmentally appropriate with this process to be in the place of, okay, I get it, but I'm struggling to like do it or I'm struggling to like put it into action. Like maybe resisting that or, or judging that or thinking that that's wrong is part of why that feels so uncomfortable, but maybe just knowing that's normal. That's okay. That's part of the process. I, I just, I would want people to really hear you say that. That was really brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what's so interesting? I always consistently find that when clients let go of that pressure to figure it out and let go of that judgment, that's when they start to make real progress because they're not the pre- pressure and stress in any area of life does shut off that rational thinking. And then if you don't have rational thinking, you can't like logically try to figure out why did I binge eat? You know what I'm saying? Or what's making me feel this way? Because you're just in this like bubble of stress that I wish just wasn't happening. Yeah. Yeah. And shame. Exactly. It's not motivating. Exactly. So that would be step one is just understanding like realistically setting expectations and removing the pressure. The next thing would be when someone's feeling stuck, it's let's really get to the core of what's stressing you out to figure it out so urgently. And a lot of times this is not for everybody. It could, but, but a lot of times it comes back to, um, their, their body size and they still have this remnant of, well, if intuitive, if I could figure out intuitive eating, then I know my body wants to lose weight as a result. And so it's almost indirectly, and it's, and I always say it's okay to have this hope in the back of your mind that I hope that intuitive eating results in weight loss or have that desire. I think that just makes you human. It's about how much of it is at the forefront and dictating your actual behaviors that you're not realizing. Because if the if if that hope is actually at the center of things, then it's not a hope anymore. It's kind of like that's the goal I want and that's the urgency of why I have to figure out how to stop overeating and make this work because overeating eating is not getting me the results that I want. And so that's the root of the issue. And the root of the issue isn't talking about food anymore. It's talking about body image and being okay with putting that goal on the back burner. And whether, you know, 
weight loss may or may not happen, but being at peace with whatever result will be. So I think it's really getting to the core issue of what stress, what's the urgency for you to figure it out. If the urgency for you is because of a weight goal reason or Or maybe there's like a medical condition. Someone's like, well, my blood sugars are just out of control. I have to get this figured out so that I could control my blood sugar. Well, that stress and pressure to have it figured out is just keeping you stuck in having in not managing your blood sugar. So understanding that it's for the we will get to gentle nutrition and all the things that apply to blood sugar, but you first really need to have a healthy relationship with food. And so instead of focusing on the short term, like, oh, today my blood sugar is high, this is horrible. It's really setting compassion and understanding what's leading you to those eating behaviors, healing that relationship with food and knowing that in the long run, you will sort out your blood sugars, but from a healthy place. So I guess the second, what I'm trying to say is um, one set realistic expectations and two, really get to the core of what's creating this urgency or stress to figure it out and really be able to heal that so that you can then relieve yourself of the urgency and pressure because the goal is the long run and your self-care and feeling good. And that's when you're able to truly trust, start to trust your body um, and apply all aspects of intuitive eating, not just hunger, fullness, but you know the emotional part, the nutrition part, the body image part, all of it comes together when your foundation is about I'm going to care for my body because I'm worth that care. Makes yeah. sense? Yeah, definitely. And I think just one thing I'd add to that idea of looking at the sense of urgency that's so brilliant to bring up. It's like, why is that there? What is that about? Let's look a little deeper. Let's unpack that. Uh, the other thing I would add is maybe considering if there if you weren't you if you were your best friend like or if your best friend was feeling this urgent and was in your situation like what would you say to to her or him um because here's where i'm coming from the sense of urgency probably like in many cases is Uh, really kind of getting mixed up with shame and with all these really unhelpful things. And so if we can tap into some self-compassion and be like, okay, what would I say to someone else? Okay, I'd probably very instinctively understand to, you know, it's not going to be helpful to be like, you got to figure this out today. But instead to say, you'll get it. Keep practicing. Keep going. You've gone so far already. Look at where you were a month ago. You're doing awesome. Like, Tapping into some of what you might say to someone else as you're as you're kind of navigating your own self-talk, I think could be a really, really way, important way to tap into that self-compassion and also to continue to move forward. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh, that's such a good point you brought up. Um, the judgment really clouds your ability to create awareness and to learn and understand your body. So, you know, definitely tapping into if there's shame where is it coming from? What are you judging yourself so harshly on? And yeah, speaking to yourself, why is it, by the way, that like we're so quick to be kind to others and yet the things we say to ourselves, not not just intuitive eating, like anything, they, if you say them out loud to somebody else, they would be like, you're such a jerk. Like, how can you talk that way to me? And yet we do that to ourselves so easily. So like you said, just having that self-compassion and truly treat yourself like you would treat someone else in that situation if, if it's hard for you to give it to yourself for sure yeah wonderful okay so let's shift gears just a tiny bit and talk about so we've we've already you've already made the really great point of looking at your intentions and practicing kind of kind of having your food choices stem from this place of self-care and of trust and of honoring what your body needs and trying really hard to let go of the intention of manipulation of your body or punishing your body or shrinking your body, those types of things. Again, with the, uh, with the understanding that it is very normal culturally for weight loss thoughts to be so at the forefront and to be talked about all the time. So we have such an understanding and compassion for weight loss thoughts being kind of intermixed in there. But the point is sort of practicing creating really grounded intentions in in your values and in things that matter and and kind of letting go of weight loss as as a motivator. So 
you've already made that great point. I, d- I do want to kind of talk about um, like gentle nutrition. I'm not even sure exactly like how to ask this question, but I just want to know like what what do you see as coming up for people with intuitive eating that can kind of be be tricky when incorporating intuitive or incorporating gentle nutrition or in thinking about how how does permission and hunger and fullness and making peace with food and satisfaction and all these great principles how does that align with honoring my health and with with like honoring um the science of of nutrition i'm interested in your thoughts on that and let's just kind of see where it goes oh my gosh it's such a good one because i think it's one of the biggest misconceptions in intuitive eating where it's just like well i'm just gonna eat whatever i want whenever i want so obviously i'm gonna just default to the cake and the pizza and ice cream all the time and i'm just gonna eat whenever whatever which yeah you could eat whatever whenever but almost comes off for someone who doesn't understand intuitive eating um, like just chaotic or all over the place or scattered. And so the first thing, and one of the biggest thing that I notice is people feel like you can't eat intuitively and meal plan and have structure at the same time because meal planning is obviously a diet. You know, that's what I do when I'm on a diet or structured yes. meal times is what I do when I'm on a diet. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes. I love it. I love where you're going yeah. with this. And so, right. And so they're like, well, if that was what I did when I was on a diet, then I can't do that when I'm eating intuitively. And the first thing we have to recognize is that just because you did a behavior when you were dieting doesn't mean that it's a diet, that you're on a diet. If you're going to do that behavior now, it comes back to the intention of why you're doing it, right? Because practically speaking, I mean, it would be very nice if we had all foods available whenever we want them and we were totally present all the time to know I'm hungry now, I'm going to go get those foods now, and then I'll be full. But it's just not practical because most of us work or have kids or have a life. Like we, you know, things happen. And so structure and some level of flexible planning can facilitate um, trust in your body and intuitive eating and food freedom. It can actually help you eat in that way when it's done with the correct intentions and with flexibility and with taking into consideration you know, the concepts of, of eating intuitively, you know, satisfaction, um, hunger, fullness, all those things are important. But I think that's the biggest misconception out there where if I had structure and meal planning when I was dieting, then I can't do that when I'm eating intuitively. And that's what gets people scared off from it because they're like, well, this just feels chaotic. And that's just not true. You and then they have feel like they have to choose between right. chaos and control, right? And the yeah. point is, yeah, and, and I use control kind of in quotes there because, you know, usually on a diet, you might have, quote, control for a minute, you know, but it, it yeah. always inevitably, you know, spirals at that point. But here's where I'm coming from on this, too. And I think you really resonate with this as well. But the, the idea of I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to find the middle ground. We're trying to find the middle ground in between complete chaos, lack of structure, willy-nilly eating, and like rigid, obsessive, controlling nutrition. There is a balance. There is a middle ground. Many people who have done a lot of diets have never really seen that or, or experienced it. But I think Rachel and I can both attest to like that exists. And in order to find that, I think we've got to like put on nuanced head or our nuanced lenses and like be like okay this is going to be messy this isn't going to be perfect there's going to be things that I do as I'm trying to find this middle ground I'm experimenting that's going to kind of make me wonder huh that's something I did when I was dieting am I still dieting what's coming up for me okay there's yeah there's like some kind of manipulation thoughts coming up but can I practice just kind of settling into I feel best when I have food in my house. In order to do that, I need to kind of think through what do I want to have. In order to do that, I got to kind of meal plan and it doesn't need to be rigid and and you know, overwhelming, but a little some like a little plan in place can go a long way in saving you time and saving you energy and also having foods on hand that can make it just way more way easier to connect to your body and give your body what it needs. 
And all those intentions I just barely said right then were very grounded in self-care and like things that we're trying to kind of encourage people to shift to. But we all know like that's going to be messy and you're going to have question questions pop up of like, oh no, I used to do this when I was dieting. What does it mean? So what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that, that middle ground idea? Yeah, I, I love everything you said and bringing it back to intention. I really want to give an example of what it would look like when you're dieting and what it would look like when you're eating intuitively when it comes to structure and meal planning. So, so for example, when you're dieting, very often the meal plan is very specific in what you can and can't have. It doesn't necessarily, depending on what diet you're doing, doesn't necessarily take into consideration the foods that you find satisfying or the foods that you want in that moment, right? Um, or enjoy. And there's also when it comes to, so you have to like spend a lot of time and energy getting the ingredients that's allowed, preparing it from what's allowed. And that takes a lot of energy. And then also with structure, there may be specific times that you need to follow to eat. So that might not take into consideration if you're hungry or full, the portion size might be too much or might be too little for you on that particular day, but it doesn't take any of that into consideration. And it's very much about this restrictive like plan you have to follow and not about what you necessarily um, need, right? Like if the lunch is, whatever the lunch is, if that's not something that you really enjoy, even if it fills you up, there's a big satisfaction factor missing, which like we know, if we're not satisfied with our food choices, we start to have cravings. Cravings are normal, but like increased cravings, which leads to binge eating, all of that. Um, And that's how it would look like with dieting, which is why eventually it backfires. But let's say when you're eating intuitively, first of all, especially if you're working or have a lot going on, when you have meals that are planned, you're more easily able to honor your hunger in time because you have the food available. So that's the practical part of things. It's, you need to have foods available. Um, and the second part of it is when you're meal planning, it's just so much more simpler and less stressful and less time consuming because you're not stuck on, you know, I'm allowed this, I'm not allowed that. I have to prepare this from scratch. It's going to take me a half hour to make my meals for all the day. It's much more simple where you get the foods that, first of all, you like, you have more options. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. And it's easier to put together when you don't have so many rules attached to it. And so meal planning in and of itself just is not as stressful and you're also enjoying it more. That being said, some people are like, well, if I meal plan, you know, Wednesday night for Thursday's lunch, how do I know I'm going to want what that food at lunch? And it's not exactly what I'm craving. I think there's also understanding that not, there's this expectation that when you eat intuitively, suddenly food is going to be, has to be perfectly satisfying every meal. And I think this comes to being practical where sometimes um, it's just practicality where I am hungry, my food, my body needs energy, I'm going to honor it and give it this food. And it might not be a rock star meal, but the great part is that your body gets hungry again and you have a new opportunity to choose satisfying foods. It comes back to self-care, but you're also much more likely to choose foods that you will enjoy, at least you'll be able to tolerate and not like these diet foods that you have to eat. So... Really quick, let me My just jump in. That, let me yeah, just jump in there and, sure. and say, I I really think that's an important point with gentle nutrition. Like sometimes you will have foods that are just it's what's available, and it doesn't sound all that great to you. And what we're trying to walk away from when we're embracing intuitive eating, we're trying to walk away from rigidity. I believe. So if we're just yeah. as rigid about only eating foods that are 100% satisfying and blah blah blah. Like we're missing the point that's that's creating new rigid rules in place of dieting rules. So your point about like sometimes you just honor, okay, my body needs energy. I'll have another opportunity in the future to, to choose something different and to kind of meet that satisfaction need. I love it. And I think that's really, really important to just highlight. I'd also add one more quick little thing, which is, you know, if if you're sitting down to lunch and it's just kind of like okay this is just what's what's just what I have here 
if you check in with yourself, not only about maybe the gentle nutrition aspects and, and of the meal, but also I would encourage you to check in with like satisfaction, like, okay, if this is just what I have and it doesn't seem all that satisfying, is there something I could add to what I'm just, I, I'm gonna be eating this, but could I add some guacamole or like some salad dressing or some butter or, you know, something that's gonna be kind of kind of add some like excitement or satisfa- satisfaction to what you're already eating. To me, when we talk about conversations of gentle nutrition, I think it's almost as important to talk about like, sure, check in on the nutrition of a meal gently, but also gently check in on the satisfaction with flexibility and with the ability to say, okay, today, right now, this is what it is. I'm going to do the best I can. But also like, I love your point about there's another meal coming (laughs) or another snack coming soon. There's a new opportunity to eat. (laughs) So, and yeah, I like what you said about um, just checking with the satisfaction and having that middle ground where, for example, so I had a client who told me she just loves pasta and tater tots and like all the carbs. And as much as she's okay with the vegetables, it doesn't excite her, but she also, you know, eating all of the foods that do satisfy her don't necessarily make her body feel good. And she was at this point where she's like, I want to feel better. I want to care for my body. And I know incorporating more vegetables and, you know, proteins and things like that will make me feel better. But then how do I do that without feeling risk? How do I do the nutrition part without feeling risk? restricted if what I really enjoy are the teeter tots. So I told her, I'm like, you don't have to choose one or the other. You know, you can have a salad and use the teeter tots as croutons. Like, that's an idea. You can try that. And it just never occurred to her that she could combine the two. Like, oh, I can have both. You know, like it doesn't Yes, have to be like yes and instead of not. either or with food is huge with gentle nutrition, yeah. right? Exactly, exactly. And, and it's also, rec- I always say this too, where you need to also be ready to talk about nutrition. So if you're in a place where um, structure and meal planning does trigger diet thoughts to you and whatever it is, and you're just the type of personality that just needs to let it all go and then slowly come back in your own way, there's no wrong or right way to do it. Some people feel safer in keeping to some of what they feel is diety and letting go slowly. But my point is, is that there's a readiness factor to nutrition. So if it feels triggering to you in any way, that's just a sign that there's more, you know, work to do in healing your relationship with food. That doesn't mean you're not going to get there or that it's forever going to be where you're at right now. Um, because most definitely the end goal of eating intuitively is to feel good and to care for your your body and caring for your body and for yourself, um, can mean enjoying a slice of cake without guilt. And it could mean intentionally choosing vegetables because you know, that's, what's going to benefit your body. Um, the way that it's going to feel flexible and natural and good to you is when you have a healthy relationship with food. Does that make sense? I love it. I love it. Okay. I think what I want to do next with you is I want to have like a little lightning round of what diets don't have a monopoly on. Let's just, let's just like roll with this idea. Let's like discuss it. Okay. Do it. So you said vegetables and I just want to say, yes, like diets don't own vegetables. You don't. Mm And, and here's, a, here's an important point I make all the time in session with my clients. Food freedom is more than just eating a cupcake. It's also freedom from the idea that a vegetable is, like, going to save your life or be so amazing. Like, it's, it's just right. as important to heal with vegetables as it is to heal with cupcakes. Um, and I think cupcakes... Yeah, oh my gosh. Can I just say one point to that? Yeah, oh, sorry, go for I, it. I have to say one point. Because this I should really talk about this more because it comes up in my mind all the time. Um, I remember back when I was like in that diet mindset or whatever it is, I would actually binge on vegetables because they were like safe foods for me. And I'm sure for a lot of people who diet, like it's like, oh, it's low calorie. It's has vitamins. So like, it's okay if I just overeat and binge on that, if I'm craving something else, that wasn't a healthy eating behavior, even though it was vegetables. Like I would feel so stuffed and sick from having like an entire tray of broccoli, you know, it's just redefined, like healing your relationship with the vegetables too, you know, it's so important. Yes, yes. And recognizing through awareness and through curiosity that, you know, if you have thoughts that come up that are like, okay, 
vegetables. This is what I used to eat when I was dieting. Oh no, what does it mean? Not right. panicking about that. That's good. It's good for you to develop a new connection, a new like relationship with vegetables, which might sound funny, but it's, it's really, really important work that at some point in your journey with intuitive eating, this will become kind of obvious and almost in your face. Like, yep, this is, this is what I need to work on next. So diets don't own vegetables, right? What else do diets yeah. not own? Don't own nutrition in general. Like, I think that's the biggest conversation we're having now where we think that if we even think about nutrition or think about the word healthy, right? Like, it's like, oh my gosh, I must be dieting. This is a problem. No, I can't go back to diet. And then you like freak out when in reality, um, nutrition is just information, right? Like healthy is just a word. It's all about what you're using it for and the intention and the context that it's in that will make the difference in how it impacts your life. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's think. What else do diets not own? Meal planning. You already mentioned that. Um, Yeah. We said meal planning, health, nutrition, vegetables. Um, They don't own – could we go into – is this only food? Or well, like anything. Yeah, anything. Go for it. I'm <laughs> what are int- the rules of the game? <laughs> <laughs> no rules. Um, well, I think exercise is a huge – I mean, that could be a conversation in and of itself. But like working out is so like intertwined with body size, I think even more so than food. And yeah. so if you are working out, that doesn't necessarily mean – that you're trying to manipulate your body or dieting or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it is possible to have a relationship with exercise that supports your well-being and that makes you feel great, but that isn't rooted in the problematic intentions that that can kind of get a keep us stuck or keep us away from what's best for us. So, yeah. And I think sometimes people just need to hear like what's possible, you know, like it's it's not like we can tell you how to do this. We can give you ideas and we can discuss it and hopefully spark ideas in your own head. But just knowing like it is, it truly, truly is possible to move your body, to fuel your body in ways that feel good and support your health and well-being, but also are like really fun and pleasurable and exciting and great. And it can all come from a place of like, yeah, like I trust my body. I'm honoring it. I I don't need to restrict. I can just care for it. Like that, that's possible. I just want people to know that. Yeah, for sure. And here's one that came up, which might not be the obvious, but I don't think diets own the word weight, even though most definitely feels like, meaning there, if there's a conversation you want to have about your weight, you can do that without thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on a diet. I'm going on a diet. This is me dieting. Whatever you feel about your weight, you can express that without having the intention of I'm going to be going on a diet. There's room to, and I think it's important to be able to, because I'll sometimes have clients. And the reason I bring this up is because I'll sometimes have clients very often who definitely have a lot to unpack in their body image and weight. And so anytime they bring up the word weight or something about their weight, they'll automatically follow it up almost with an apology of, well, I know I'm not supposed to be thinking about my weight or I know I'm not supposed to like almost like, oh, my God, if I'm thinking about my weight, then I'm automatically thinking of a diet or I'm and a failure we, at intuitive eating. <laughs> exactly. And so I think diets don't own your like the word weight or your weight, whatever it is, we can definitely have conversations about weight. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be going on a diet or you're dieting or you're failing intuitive eating is just, you know, we might have to have that discussion as part of the journey and process. And you're not doing it wrong if that word or concept comes up in your mind. Well, yeah, that's a great point. And here's where it connects a lot for me is I will have clients who spend a lot of time, like, let's say I have a new client who spent a lot of time online and podcasts and books reading about this stuff. And then there's almost a level of um, shame that we have to kind of name mm-hmm. when coming to talk to me as a dietitian. That that I have to kind of say like, hey, it sounds like it sounds like your like your thoughts about your weight are coming up. Like, do you want to discuss that? Is that something that um, 
that you're thinking about or concerned about. And I've, I've seen many people just kind of like soften and kind of relax and being like, oh, okay, good. Like I, ca- I can share what's coming up for me here. It's not like I need to censor myself when I'm working on this, right? Like, have you noticed that in your practice too? Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Like, I, I feel like sometimes they won't even say that, right? They'll just in, they'll kind of go around it because they they have this idea of, oh, I came into this knowing that it's not about weight. And so I can't talk to her about my thoughts of weight loss or desire for a smaller body, whatever it is, while I'm doing this process, because then that would mean I'm not really making pros- progress. And, you know, like this whole narrative that you have that they that you build up in your mind and the, and like you said the shame and guilt that comes with it and I tell them the opposite I'm like no you're here so that we can work through that you can the only way to have a healthy relationship with food um well I don't want to say the only way because you know every person's individual but for the most part um the, to get to a healthy relationship with food you have to have a healthy relationship with your body because for most people their relationship with food got messed up because it stemmed from body issues, not the other way around. So yeah. I actually say the opposite. I'm like, I want you to talk about it if it's on your mind, because then we can process and heal from that place um, and truly get you to a healthy place with your food and eating habits from yeah. the foundation. Yeah, you know? and there's certain so, rules for sure, of for sure. like conversation that we engage in when we talk in places like podcasts or social media or blog posts or books. There's certain kind of norms of like, okay, yeah, we're not going to discuss weight here because there's all kinds of people who are listening and and who it it may be really triggering for. And so I think that might be what people are picking up on is like they've probably noticed that there's a lot of kind of discussion around let's not discuss this. But when it comes to your one-on-one work with someone who is walking this journey with you of intuitive eating. You know, I can't speak for every clinician out there, but like at least for myself, and it sounds like for you too, Rachel, like it is absolutely normal and welcome to talk about weight and what's coming up for you and what your fears are and what your concerns are. And a lot of times there's actually some science we can explore together of like, okay, now that I know that that's your concern, let's look at this. Let's look at that. Let's talk about it from this angle. Let's look at it from like a logical perspective. Let's look at it from a scientific perspective. Let's look at it. And so if you if you keep it in, you run the risk of, of it kind of getting bigger. And I think talking about it, discussing it, opening up to these conversations can be really healing in and of themselves. Absolutely. You, you have the opportunity to kind of filter through what's going on, just mantle it and like you said there are so many different ways to approach something also depending on the person's history and personality so just because let's say you listen to a podcast that address the emotional aspects of what you're going through perhaps what you need is to then go through the scientific logical part of it um, that will help you more personally but you miss that opportunity if you're assuming that that emotional conversation was what should have helped you when there's more tools to utilize so you know what I mean so definitely yeah. bring it up and I think repetition is not a bad thing uh, that this is also something I find a lot very very common it's like well I know we talked about this but and then feeling guilty that because we talked about it one time they're not like a hundred percent resolved and it's like well you've had repeated <laughs> thoughts of dieting for like 20 years so one conversation on this aspect is not going to undo 20 years it will help you move forward but it's okay to b- keep bringing bring up, up something for yeah. a second or third time yeah and then like you said tackle it from different angles like okay we talked about the logic let's talk about the emotional let's talk about the psychological let's talk talk about you know the history there's just so many ways to talk about different things and you got to find the right one that works for you and you only know that if you share what's going going on. Absolutely. Okay. One other thing that's popping up in my head as far as what diets don't own, and you, you mentioned this earlier, but I just want to say it in this segment, uh, talking about structure. So uh, I have yet to meet a person as a client who I dive deep and I do a full assessment on their, on their nutrition, who doesn't benefit from some semblance of structure in their life. In fact, um, I think a big kind of myth or uh, place that intuitive eating can get confusing for people is that they feel like it's completely unstructured. 
So yes, I just wanted to point out like diets don't own structure. It's so, and what I mean by structure is, you know, from a flexible place, like having times of your day where you typically feed yourself, times of your day where you check in and say like, how am I feeling? Or, you know, routines of your, of when you go to sleep at night. I mean, think about it from that perspective. Are you always perfectly tired at the time of night where you where you have found you feel your best in the morning like for me that's 9 30 or 10. I'm not always same. I'm not always super I'm just tired thinking about that. I'm like same <laughs> I um yeah I I definitely also just to add to that like some people are like how do you do whatever this like you know I have so many things other things to do and it's like well there are other things that definitely other people would prioritize to do but like just for me personally it's like I'll just leave the laundry for tomorrow and go to bed and yeah. everyone's different but like that's how I that's how I do it if anyone's like how do you do that <laughs> yeah and this idea of structure like if you think about it with sleep like for me I'm not always tired when I go to bed at night but um, I do I have noticed through lots of experimentation I do feel my best when I kind of have that gentle boundary and that gentle like bedtime for myself Again, I'll, I'll make exceptions for big events or like family in town and we just stay up late and talk or play games. Like I love that stuff too. But in general, I'm in bed by that time because I feel my very best in the morning when I do that. Now, like what can we kind of bridge the gap of that with like meal times or structure of your day? Are you always going to be perfectly hungry in the morning? Maybe not. Sometimes you'll be less hungry or more hungry, but sitting down and eating a breakfast at like in the morning time for most people is going to set them up to have a way better day than just kind of like the willy nilly I'll eat whenever I think about it. You know, and there's also other factors of some people get so busy they don't even feel their hunger cues. Some people Mm -hmm. like, um, yeah, like have other like negative health effects from not from not eating and so like a little structure can just kind of give yourself the ability to set yourself up to have a a better experience so if we just kind of pedestalize hunger and say oh I I can only eat when I'm hungry I do see that as sometimes creating chaos and structure can kind of help kind of build in a little bit of reliable consistency for you yeah absolutely I think well this could go into a whole other conversation of you sometimes the practicality part wins out right so if you're not perfectly hungry in the morning that doesn't mean you don't eat um because chances are especially if you have things that you get done you get distracted and then by the time you do feel your hunger you're overly hungry and then that spirals into eating behaviors that don't benefit you so sometimes even though you're not feeling that hunger it's more of a self-care conscious decision of yeah i don't have to you don't have to sit down and eat a whole big meal but just starting your day with eating something just viewing it as okay this is self-care versus I have to have it exactly perfectly hunger fullness and just one more thing to add to that is letting go of definitely having meal times but pairing that with your own body's wisdom and and your own life schedule and knowing what works for you because I think a lot of times we'll have this idea of well 12 p.m is lunchtime so I have to eat at 12 p.m and if I'm hungry at 11 30 I have to wait till 12 to eat or you know what I'm saying but but if Maybe you're feeling range. hungry at 1130 and you're, yeah, exactly. There should be a range and a flexibility. Like if your body senses hunger at 11, then who says lunch has to be at 12? Your right. body senses hunger at 11. So eat at 11, but it might take you time to just figure out what your groove is and rhythm is for your, for your body and how to match it up with structure so that it works for you. But just, I think the key thing here that we having, the theme of this conversation is keep it flexible right that's exactly what I was gonna gonna say like notice any rigidity that comes up around this that's that's not gonna probably lead you in the right direction but but some structure to me structure and rigidity are different words so the English language is kind of hard (laughs) like what (laughs) what I'm trying to say might not always be what people are hearing but to me there's a difference between a structure or a framework versus like rigid, I have to do this if I don't, like all hell will break loose or something, you know? Um, So yeah, I think noticing that rigidity or all or nothing thinking or shame or guilt, if that stuff's coming up for you around this, like take a step back and look at how can you add in some flexibility? Yeah, absolutely. And then not every day is going to be perfect. Like you said, it's with sleep or with anything. 
as long as it's for the most part, because as a human being, you're just never going to be perfect in any area of life. And if you're holding on to this idea of, well, intuitive eating looks like this, and that's what it has to look like all the time. Again, it's not realistic to be a perfect intuitive eater. I don't think that even exists because you're a human being. So I, I think the goal is for the most part, and that's part of flexibility, you know, just allowing yourself to have those days where maybe you didn't honor hunger exactly on time or, you know, you did um, overeat or eat emotionally or whatever it is. But if you can come back to it with curiosity and be like, well, what led me to eat in this way? Okay, that's what it was. Tomorrow's another day and then move on. As long as it's for the most part, you're overall going to feel your best. Yeah. Oh, this has been such a lovely conversation, Rachel. Was there anything else that you wanted to make sure we talked about or that we missed or that you wanted to add or summarize? You know, I think we covered, obviously there's a ton in within the intuitive eating space. And I think I'll end off with that is that no matter how much information a podcast gives you or a book gives you, remember that you are your own person, your own world. There might be nuances and specific situations to your life. So just take away what applies to you in your life and don't feel like you're doing it wrong. If there was something that someone said that you're like, but I don't do that or that doesn't work for me. You know, there's so many tools out there. There's so much nuance to this. Just keep learning, you know, keep growing, keep moving forward um, and know that there, there's no wrong or right way. There's only what works for you. And maybe you have to listen to a few different podcasts or, you know, read a few different books to put together something that works best for you. So kind of taking Love everything it. yeah, within within context and within the limitations that it's presented. And yeah. don't feel like it has to be exactly the same for you. Right. And we're just inviting you to to self-reflect. That's that's what this yeah. is about. Yeah. I love it. Rachel, talk that's about awesome. where people can find you and your work and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love to hang out on Instagram. That's the main place where you can find me at dietitian.rachelgoodman. Um, I do one-on-one coaching, have an online program. You can find all that at rachelgoodnutrition.com. And I also have um, a free a free like guide. So if you're in this place where you're feeling out of control with food um, and you're like, I want to make peace with food, but this scares me because it feels out of control, it kind of breaks it down into a process. So you can also get that I don't have the link on me maybe I could just share it with you to yeah I'll add it's it like to the an actual direct link because mm-hmm. it's like a bit.ly link and I forgot <laughs> what the name that's was. okay um but you typically could find it in the link in my bio on Instagram and I'll also share it with Paige um you know if you're in this place where you want to make peace with food but you feel out of control it's not working for you this kind of breaks it down so it feels safer and more like of a, a systemic systemic systemized system process to follow so that you're not feeling as overwhelmed so those are, yeah, that's, you know, my website, my Instagram. Um, that's where you can find me. Awesome. And thanks so much for having me. This well, was such a wonderful conversation. I agree. It was so fabulous to connect, and I look forward to sharing this. And thanks so much, Rachel, for your time and awesome points here. I really appreciate it. Well, I sincerely hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you haven't already, please go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. Thanks again so much for listening and we'll see you soon for another episode.